Hello, everybody. Thanks for taking the time. Hope you're having a fabulous day. It's the Crazy Asian Station. I'm super excited. Having a guest today is Davis. Davis, welcome to the show. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. How's everybody doing today? How are you? Yeah. I'm doing fantastic, and I'm sure everybody that's listening is doing fantastic as well. Um, if you not, it will be after listening to you, Davis. This is, you're, you have a great story, so I'm super excited. Of course. To share that with you all. Yeah, you know it. <laughs> so why don't yeah. you um, give a little bit of uh, bio, a little bit of introduction to the audience about you? Yeah, everybody. My name is Davis Surrett. Uh, he, I'm sure he'll ha- have in a show notes my, how to spell my last name because everybody always gets it wrong. But um, I am now. I am 19 years old. I am from I'm from Mobile, Alabama, and now I am living in Birmingham, Alabama, and and in kind of North Carolina. I am in college now at High Point University, which is in High Point, North Carolina, which is the furniture capital of the world, just a little fun fact. Um, And I have, Sherman and I have gotten connected because I have been through kind of what I think is a little bit more, a little bit more difficulty than most people have had in their lives. Uh, So we have just kind of connected to share stories and everything. And so I am excited to talk to you today to, share my story and get the word out, see what people can learn from me. I love it. Um, so why don't you tell the audience a little bit about kind of maybe what you're passionate about um, and that kind of gets you gets you excited. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll, I'll kind of have to get into my story to explain this. So um, when I was 16 years old, I was walking down the street in Auburn, Alabama, and I'm an, I'm an Alabama fan who knows anything about the state of Alabama and our rivalries and everything. Um, I was in Auburn, and I was walking down the sidewalk with two girls who were in the grade above me, and we were hit by a truck, quite frankly. And um, so, of course, growing up in lower Alabama, my parents always taught me to be a southern gentleman and all that fun stuff. So I was walking closest to the sidewalk, I mean, closest to the street, just because that's what I had always been taught, especially walking with two girls. Um, and Good so, yeah, thank you, thank you. <laughs> and uh, a truck came up, and the driver hit the two girls, and when he did that, he realized what he was doing and swerved to get back over onto the road, and when he swerved over, he just took me out. And so, thankfully, the girls were fine. They were... Treated at the scene. Um, I I was not fine at all. However, um, I was knocked immediately unconscious. Um, I got lifelined to the nearest urgent care medical facility. Um, once there, they immediately started brain surgery, and I, I think while my head was open, they started leg surgery. Um, and so I learned. Of course, I learned after that uh, on a brain injury scale from. Three to 30, I think three being dead, from, at least from what I've been told so far. Um, I, I had a three, so I should be dead today. Um, besides that, my left leg was shattered. My entire right side of my body was just all road rash, just basically skin and bones. Um, but so, of course, since then, I've had to take all these neurological and psychological tests, and I've learned my verbal skills, so my speaking, listening, presenting, those skills are in the 98th percentile of people from 18 to 33 years old. And I was 17 once I got tested. 
So I figured I should I should probably pursue this. And um, so finally, getting back to the original question you you asked me, speaking has become my passion. And so I, ever since I've I've learned those statistics, like my verbal communication skills, uh, speaking and learning, reading, studying speakers, that is what I've become deeply passionate about. And how was that recovery for you in regards to getting back to speed from a from a public speaking or just from a, a conversation perspective? The recovery, frankly, of course, was not not easy at all. It um, while I was in the hospital as a 16 year old, doctors told me I literally and physically had to rebuild my own brain. So I mean, what does anyone do when they hear that? Much less a 16 year old. And so I, of course, I had no idea what to do. And so I just decided once I was, I finally got to the point where I was able to consciously be aware and understand what doctors were telling me when they said that, I decided the best thing I could do was just to start reading. And so I was just reading all that I could. I was reading a book a week. And um, so while I was in the hospital in therapy in the rehab hospital, Doctors would come in every day and excuse me. Doctors would come in every day and they would, you know, walk in. I'd be laying in bed. Davis, how are you doing today? Uh, Davis, do you know what your name is today? Uh, I, I didn't even know my own name, and they just said it like ten seconds earlier. And wow. uh, so my short term, my short term memory was badly, badly affected. Uh, then they would bring in either one of my parents and. Davis, do you know who this is? Uh, I, I had no idea. Of course, they're my parents. I've known them my entire life. Um, and so then my overall memory was badly damaged, but now post-accident, now that a relatively considerable considerable amount of time has passed, my just my short-term memory is badly, still badly affected. Um, so, of course, that makes schooling and everything very convenient for me. <laughs> um, but, yeah, speech... It, it, when I was in the hospital, it was like I was a newborn child. So I had to relearn how to walk, how to talk, how to think. I, I had to relearn all the basic skills that make a human a human. So it, it was definitely a, a hard, gruesome, grueling process. And then, so for you, um, what were some maybe some things that kept you motivated through this very difficult time? You know, the thing that I think overall kept me motivated was that subconsciously, because at this time, pretty much everything I was doing was subconscious. Like, I I didn't even know my parents. Of course, I could not consciously tell you who they were. Um, So all the things, all the things that I think I thought and said at this point in my recovery were subconscious. And so I think that my internal drive, my internal, I guess, passion just subconsciously pushed me and drove me to be better and to recover just because I've kind of always had the mindset and the desire for greatness, to to be great, to be extraordinary in any and every facet of my life as much as I could. And so 
I think that's where my subconscious mind kind of came into this process when I was recovering. So I am ever so thankful I, I kind of hypnotized myself into that when I was, you know, 12 or 13 years old because it, it arguably saved my life when I was 16. So that, that's, that's kind of where I think my internal drive came from in my recovery. So in, in all this, you fa- – how is it for yourself, like, just mentally, obviously you have this physical side, right, that you're trying to rebuild life. Um, yeah. What about, like, your mental psyche? You kind of had this idea that you were going to do some extraordinary things. What was it like then going through this rehabilitation for your mind? Uh, I mean, like I said before, it was just ridiculously difficult. Um I never, I was never conscious or mindful of what was actually happening, what 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 I was actually doing, what was going on around me. Um, even even the first six to nine months to a year, once I got home, I, I still wasn't fully conscious and aware of my surroundings of what was happening around me. Um, but you know, just like anything in life, it's all a process. It's all about how you get through it, how you learn, how you see things. And so I think that was a major, major part in helping me through my recovery. Uh, are there are there any specific books? It sounds like you're reading just a ton of books. Yep, any particular know. ones that kind of stick out to you? Um, uh, I don't know. Um, besides... Besides all the ones that everyone always talks about, um, you know, Think and Grow Rich and books, things like that, um, you know, I, I think some of the books, like a book from my friend and mentor, Brandon May, called A Diamond in the Rough, uh, was big and, you know, monumental in helping me. And a book that I'm still reading today from another one of my friends and mentors, uh, Mel Jones just called 90 building the ultimate empire. Uh, and the way he set that book up is it is 90 principles that you're supposed to read in 90 days to build your ultimate empire. And it, it's a really great, fascinating book. I'm, I'm on day one thirty six or so because I, I'm, I'm reading it twice over. Um, yeah. but you know, I, I don't know that there was one book that really struck me. In Max, it happened in 2014. Well, in 2015, I made it my mission because my accident reverberated a lot of parts of my life. It reverberated my faith. And so in 2015, my mission was to read the entire Bible all the way through. And so I was I was on a mission. I, it's If you calculate it out, it's like 2.68 pages per day or something. And so every single night when I would get into bed, I'd just sit up and read for 20, 30, 45 minutes or an hour or so. Uh, And so in the year of 2015, I read the entire Bible. And uh, of course I I didn't do this so I could, of course I'm reading the Bible. I am a Christian, but I I didn't do this so I could hold it over other Christians heads. Like, Oh, I've read the entire Bible. I'm I'm better than you. But I, I did it. So, 
in the in the future because I'm always trying to look out for my future self. So if I heard sermons or studies or things like that, I would be familiar with whatever was being talked about. And so I I'm I try not to be big on on boasting about things like that. Um, yeah, that, that's that's the main reason I did things like that. I I, I love it. I, and so for you in this in this struggle, you actually found faith, or or or, or at least yep. strengthening your faith despite mm-hmm. the tragedy. Yeah, I, I think I think that's what happens to a lot of people because when a I, I don't I don't say what happened to me. You know, a, a lot of people since this happened have said since Davis's accident and since Davis's tragedy. And now I'm to the point where I talk about it and I, I put accident and tragedy in quotation marks because I don't see it as a tragedy. I don't see it as an accident. I see it as a blessing. Uh, I'm to the point now um, because all the things that has taught me, all the things I've come to learn because of it, I absolutely could not be more thankful for those things that I've learned. And And that's where I think the principle comes in that in life, no matter what happens to you, no matter what you're going through, it is all, all about perspective. There, there's always someone who has it worse than you, no matter what. You can be homeless, eating out of trash cans. I have friends, and I know people who have done this. You can be homeless, eating out of trash cans. There's somebody somewhere who has it worse than you. You're not always the lowest person on the totem pole, no matter what. And I, I think that's very critically important for people to remember at all times, just to keep their morale up and everything. So. And what were what were some of the things that you did to keep your morale up as you were rebuilding, rebuilding you all over again? You know, honestly, there weren't a ton of things I did to keep my morale up and build my morale up. Um, I think I think a big part of keeping my morale up was my dedication to improvement, just overall. Um, I once in my recovery, I, I kind of had the story I could broadcast to people and really get their attention. And by doing that, I, I've come to know and come into contact with some great, amazing, phenomenal, extraordinary friends and mentors of mine. Um, you know, people like Brandon May, who I, I mentioned his book before, he played football at Clemson and Mississippi State. And um, my friend Mel Jones, the beast, um, he played football at William & Mary. And people like uh, Dr. Kevin Elko, who this man has his Ph.D. Neither of his parents graduated high school. And he grew up graduating high school. That's great. That's all anybody ever wanted. And from graduating high school, he went and got his undergrad degree on scholarship. That's nice on top of the cake. Nobody expected that. And from there... He went and got either three or four master's degrees in psychology because, you know, we all do that. (laughs) And um, after getting his master's degrees, he went and got his Ph.D. in sports psychology. And directly after getting his Ph.D., he went and worked with the U.S. Olympic Committee. So arguably the top of the top dogs. And um, and so since then, he's worked with the Olympic Committee a couple times. He's. He's worked with pretty much all of the NFL, a lot of the NBA, um, a lot of the top NCAA programs like 
right now, for instance, this, we are recording this in 2017. He's working with uh, the Alabama University of Alabama football team. But he, he worked with Florida State and Coach Bobby Bowden, who Bobby Bowden's another amazing, amazing man. I've come to know after my accident. Um, he's worked with Florida State. He's worked with Clemson. He's worked with Alabama, LSU. He, he's, he's worked with a lot of the top NCAA, especially football programs. But, you know, gymnastics programs, volleyball programs, he's just an amazing man. And so my story has been a big, big foot in the door, I guess, for me to get to know a lot of the mentors I now have. Um, and so now that I've been talking for a few minutes, I'm sorry, I forgot your original question. Of course, my short-term no, memory no. coming to attack me. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's totally fine. Um, the, the question in following up with um, was there kind of what, what helps keep you motivated? Like did the books help while you're yeah. trying to rebuild yourself? Um, did, you know, um, watching pod or watching the podcast, <laughs> listening to the podcast, listening to, you know, uh, music, going to church, reading the Bible, were these things that helped keep you motivated to get better, right? Because some people, they yeah. turn to self-pity in these kinds of yeah. situations. Yeah, I, I think self-pity is a huge, huge problem. And and one one of the things that I absolutely love that Dr. Elko, who I was talking about earlier, has come up with that uh, one of his great, great friends is Chuck Pagano, who the head, or was the, uh, the head coach of the Indianapolis Head Colts. And um, one morning he was at home and he got a phone call at 3 in the morning, and it was Chuck Pagano. And, he, you know, he answered the phone and said, Chuck, what are you doing calling me at 3 in the morning? He said, Coach Pagano said something like, Elks. I have just learned that I have cancer. And he said, what? what are you, when did you find out? He said, today. Uh, and so they, they kept talking and everything. And earlier that day, uh, his team, the Indianapolis Colts, had badly lost to somebody. I don't, I don't remember. I, I don't recall. But uh, one of his star linemen in the locker room, one of Coach Pagano's players, stood up because, of course, it's a bad loss. Everybody in the locker room is all, you know, heads down. They're all sulking. And one of the star linemen gets up and says, there's no self-pity in football. And so one of Dr. Elka's go-to sayings is, or Coach Coach I'm sorry, <laughs> Coach Pagano after that uh, told Elko that morning at 3.30 or so in the morning, there's no self-pity in cancer. And it's true. I've tried to live by that after my injury. There's no self-pity in brain injury. If if you tell yourself things like that enough, you will literally hypnotize and basically brainwash yourself enough to believe things like that. And I truly, earnestly believe things. Like, if you, if you tell yourself something enough, if you go over it day and day and day like an affirmation, it will become your mindset. It will become part of your mind. Like, for example, I have I think 19 alarms set in my phone. They go off every single morning starting at, I think now now that I'm in school, they go off at 6.59. But at one point, they were going off at 2.59 when I was getting up, getting up at 3 in the morning. Um, I, I'm, I'm not doing that anymore now that I'm in college. Um, but um, just daily affirmations, they, they sound kind of, kind of crazy to the average normal person. But 
they really, really are beneficial to a lot of people in a lot of ways. They, it, it's hypnotizing yourself. It's influencing yourself and your mind and your own thinking. And things like that have become extremely important to me. And and I have I've come to memorize and believe and know a couple of Dr. Elko's sayings that he has helped championship-winning teams adopt and live after. And, like, for example, the University of Alabama, um, two years ago when they won the national championship, they lost to Ole Miss relatively early in the season. And um, so the saying he came up for the entire team after that was, so what, now what? So we lost to Ole Miss. Now what? Now what are we going to do? And based on that one thing, the Alabama football team went from losing head down. There's no chance we have any ability to win or do anything significant to winning the national championship. So what? Now what? So I've received a brain injury, so I'm brain damaged. What am I going to do about it now? What, what can I do about it now? Am I going to sit and sulk and just feel sorry for myself? Or am I going to go work and study and build to create something I can be proud of? And things like that, things like that that you say to yourself have become so vitally important to me that I I think everyone should know. Uh, And, of course, I I certainly have more if you want want some more by the end. Um, But so that that was a really long-winded answer to one short question. So I'm sorry. (laughs) What would you like to go to next? No, it's, the, um, the answers are perfect because you're just describing how I, I think it's, it's it's valuable to hear the details of what you did and in your thought process at because it's so real, right? It's still raw yeah. to an extent because it's not that many years since since that occurred. Um, so I appreciate you sharing. Yeah. Um, so for you right now, like what if what are you hoping can get accomplished in your life? Obviously, you're in school. I think you're majoring in communications. What, what's kind of if life goes the way that Davis wants it, wants it, what does it look like? Absolutely, ideally, I will get my undergrad degree in communications, and then I will go get advanced degrees after that in psychology to be like Dr. Elko, just because he has influenced me so much. And after that, I will so I'll, I'll get ideally a master's in communication. I mean, in psychology, and Ideally, I will eventually get a Ph.D., and I know that's not realistic for a lot of people, but why not? I mean, if you if you work hard enough, if you study hard enough, it should absolutely be cap- you should absolutely be capable of that. Um, and so, ideally, I will get my Ph.D. in psychology, some form of psychology, and I will be working with different teams and companies like Dr. Elko does to just help them be more effective, to teach them some of the sayings that he teaches. Like, uh, just, you want, you want me to rattle off a few more? Oh, yeah. Well, why don't you go right ahead? Give us some insight. <laughs> All right. Uh, a, a couple more of Dr. Elko's sayings are, uh, let's see, oppo- opposed to what? And so he, he came... He, of course, he travels all over the country and all over the world speaking and uh, teaching these teams and companies and everything. And at one point, he was about to go leave to go on a trip, and his wife, who is a 
Methodist or Presbyterian minister um, said, but wait, your daughter is about to graduate kindergarten or second grade. Are you not going to be here for the graduation? And he's thinking, she's graduating second grade. His wife says, yeah, that's so important. He says, as opposed to what? She's graduating second grade as opposed to what? As opposed to failing second grade? Like, that's rarely an option for anybody. Um, and so so that, that's one that kind of caught my attention. It's, it's great to think about every now and then, um, for me at least. Um, and one, another thing he's gone over with a bunch of teams is when. What's important now? So, so don't, don't look at the future. Don't look at the past. What's important now? What should you be focusing on now? That now is all that ever matters. Now, this very moment, it's all that's guaranteed in life. You're not guaranteed a future at all. You already have been through the past. You should learn your lessons from it. But what is important now? That's ever so important that I, I, many more people should realize than they currently do. Um, one thing I think I heard him talking about at one point, it may not have been him, but um, – I'll ask your audience, all the listeners, if you had your first car, you think it's some raggedy old car, uh, I don't know, maybe 20 years ago or so, if you think about your first car, would you rather have a working air conditioning system or a working sound system? Good question. Yep. It, it gets to think a little bit, like, where where could he be going with this? What does this mean? <laughs> um, and I I personally would say I would rather have a working sound system because, listen, I, I'm from Alabama. It, it gets hot in the summer. So we, we need our AC. But I, I would much, much rather have a working sound system because if I have a working sound system, I can play audios like Stephen Covey and Dale Carnegie and things like that. So I can always be learning. If, excuse me. If you have a working air conditioning unit, that's it. You're comfortable. And comfort a lot of times is the enemy, I've learned. Um, if, if you can listen to powerful, empowering audios like that, you are always transforming your thinking. You're always transforming your life. And that has become ever so important to me. Uh, let's see. What else do I have? Um, and... You know, there, there's the age-old question, is the glass half full or half empty? What, what, I'm curious. What what do you usually say? Wait, say that question again? You, you know the question, is the glass half full or half empty? What I'm curious. What do you usually say when somebody asks you that question? Um, it's full. There we go. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> um it's full I, of air and it's full of water. <laughs> uh, you, you just know that because I sent you my notes last night. <laughs> um, I, I, I have started saying that the glass is it, – it can be half full or half empty depending on however you want to see it. But the way I see it is the glass is absolutely all the way full because it is full of water and full of air. It is overflowing. The glass is never half full or half empty. It, it is all, I'm not kidding. It's all about how you see things. Um, and things like another one of the things Dr. Oko has said is 
I'm not I'm not struggling to be free, but I'm free to struggle. So so that that's saying you're not of course you're not struggling to be free, but you're leaving it to yourself to say if you want to struggle or not. You you decide if you're going to struggle or not. No, nobody else. And let's see. Um I mean, it, it's an, I don't know. It, it's just important what you tell yourself every single day. Like, for for example, one of my alarms, one of my I guess affirmations that goes off every single morning that I was talking about earlier is this is the, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. So this is the day I will rejoice and be glad in it. I don't care what happens externally, internally. I am locked in and focused. This is the only day. This is the only quarter. This is the only year I have. I will give my best or I will give nothing. And if you tell yourself things like that daily, it, of course, will become a habit. You will get used to that. Your thinking will get transformed into that. I think that's ever so important that people don't really realize today. Um, I don't know. There there are a bunch of things I could say. I don't want to take up all the time. There. Um, so, so what would you like to go to next? What would you like to talk to talk about? Um, well, is there, as you kind of think about, um, you know, being able to public speak and inspire people, are there certain things that you're doing right now besides going to college, obviously, and learning and, and maybe having some mm-hmm. mentors or them? Is there anything that you're doing right now, like um, maybe you have like a YouTube channel or, you, you know, you're writing a book, anything that you're doing right now to be able to start building your voice to be heard? Well, it's funny you ask that. I have... After my accident, I have written a book, and it was based after a book that I read uh, called The Year of Living Biblically by A.J. Jacobs. It is highly recommended by me to anyone who wants to read it. it it's really – it's obviously a Christian book, but it's, it's really funny. It's, uh, it's a guy who – his family never grew up with any set religion, and so somebody gives him a Bible at one point, and he just you know started flipping through the pages and, you know, said, this is, this is really interesting. You know what? I'm going to try to live this upcoming year as strict to biblical law as possible. And so, like, at, at one point, I think near the end of the book, he reads the law that you are to stone, stone adulterers. And so he's thinking, what the heck am I going to do about this? I'm not going to go stone random people. And so he goes into Central Park. He's from New York. He lives in Manhattan, I believe. But he goes into Central Park with just these little tiny pebbles in his pocket and just goes and walks up to people just sitting at a bench and, uh, hey, have you ever committed adultery? And the person is, yeah, why? He just flicks this tiny little pebble at him and runs off. It's, it's, it's a great read. It's super funny to read about. Um, but I have, like I said, I've written my own book. I have... Just this past semester, I have learned in one of my classes how I can start my own podcast. So I might be doing that in the future. Um, but, yeah, really, really all I've done for right now is my book, which I need an editor, editor for that. So I might go to some of my professors at school, some of my English professors, or your audience, any editors out in your audience, feel free to hit me up. Um, Otherwise, yeah, I have written a book. I do not have any, you know, designated social platforms for me now. I have my personal social handles um, that, of course, your listeners 
can friend me on, like me on, do whatever. I would love to interact with any of your listeners, and please, by all means, ask me any questions, ask me anything. There, I mean, there, there's a girl right now from Algeria that I kind of mentor and help out and everything she's going to. So nothing, nothing is too crazy for me. Nothing is out of the world for me at all. I, I'm open to helping whoever, whenever, wherever I can. That's wonderful. What, what, that's such a giving mentality and that it's, it's got to be contagious, you know, that as you help others, they in turn help others, or that by you helping others, you want to help more people. Yeah, that's, that's the goal. <laughs> I love it. Final thoughts, um, Davis, that you'd want to share with the audience today. Um, you know, I, I've not, I apologize to your audience. I've not shared a whole lot about what I have learned and taught myself about psychology because a- after my injury, I have just done a ton of research in psychology to, because doctors told me I had to rebuild my own brain. So I've done a ton of research in psychology and I'm sorry, I've not shared things like, uh, I don't know. Hu- human beings have an innate sense to want to be a part of the environment they're in. Like, for, for example, I went to South Africa a few months ago with my family, and, um, you know, the, the people, of course, they have their own accent, their own dialect in South Africa. And it, it was funny. I, I, I found myself, when I was talking to them, kind of starting to shift my own dialect, shift how I was speaking to talk how they were talking. And, of course, I'm from America. I do not talk how they talk. But, it, I don't know, it, it's just funny to notice certain things like that. And... If you think about it, the way or what I've noticed is everyone at heart is a millionaire. They may not know it, they may not realize it, but everyone is a millionaire at all times. You either you might either have a million dollars or you can have a million excuses, and you're you're the one that determines that. And of course, not everything is measured in dollars and things like that, but it may be social media followers or people subscribe to your blog or newsletter things like that. But everyone is a millionaire. And I don't know, I, I have a ton of points I can go over, but I, I certainly don't have to go over all of them. I, I know everybody can and is pressed for time. Do, do, well, do you want me to go over all my points? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's it's totally up to you in regards to what you feel like. Are there some certain bullet points there that, that you have that you feel like, okay, this, these, are, these are the ones that I want to share? Uh, well, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know the demographic of your audience, so I, I guess I'll just share all of them because I, I want to be as beneficial. I want people to learn all they possibly can. So I, I guess I'll just go down all of them. Um, all right. Uh, first, we as human beings, think about why we are at the top of the food chain. Why do you think, Sherman, we're at the top of the food chain? Um, well, I think one of the reasons is we can reason. Why, why does that, in your eyes, get us to the top of the food chain? Uh, because we can learn from mistakes. All right. I like that. Good. Um, well, I have been hearing a lot recently from different people that human beings are at the top of the food chain because we are generalists. Because we have not 
over time, we have not focused on trying to run as fast as we can. Of, of course, certain people do, a.k.a. Usain Bolt. We have not yeah. focused on trying to swim as fast as we possibly can, a.k.a. Michael Phelps, but we are good generalists. And so we have learned how to mix our swimming, climbing, and running, all those things together. And so we have we, – we, I, I will in a minute. You're, y'all, y'all go ahead. Um, and so we have found ourselves at the top. And so, I don't know. I'm sorry. I can't explain that one very well, but it's just the way I heard it explained was, was really great and really made sense. Um, and then I, I've heard somewhere else that life is like playing poker. So you you got to kind of think about this in a meta, metaphysical way like I am. But um, life is like playing poker. You're not going to win every hand. That's just not even an option. Um, but you just have to make sure that your winning hands are bigger than your losing hands. That that yeah. that's all that matters. That that's that's what determines if you're a winner or not. And so, I, I think that's really important that people don't realize. People get one small win and they just think they're the man. They think they've won everything, and it, it's it's really not true. I'm sorry to burst anyone's bubble, but. Um, Let's see. Um, One thing that I think is really important for everybody is that you should never be certain, really, about anything outside of yourself. Uh, Nothing – I have certainly learned that nothing in life is certain. Nothing in life is guaranteed. You can never know what your future holds because the future is just in your imagination for everyone. That's – applies to every single person. The future is in your imagination. It does not exist in the real world yet, and it won't until it happens, until it becomes a present, until it becomes a past. Um, I don't know. There are things like to to get over procrastination, things like that I, I feel like a lot of people struggle with a lot of the time, is to keep in mind that it is easier done than said. Now, that that's that's not what Everybody usually hears and says it's easier said than done, but it is easier done than said. That is how to overcome procrastination. Always keep that in mind. And, you know, one thing I think a lot of people have kind of jumped on the bandwagon for recently is meditation. And I, after my accident, all the research I've done, I saw how beneficial meditation is, how beneficial it can be. And so I have just been med- meditating a ton. And so the, I, I use an app for meditation, and it is called Simple Habit. And I have actually helped the people who run it, you know, come come up with it and develop it and everything. And so right now on Simple Habit, I have – I should have a 120 or so day streak of doing it, but I missed one day because I didn't have cell service, and so I wouldn't pick it up. Um so besides that, I have a 31-day streak. I have 750 total sessions meditated, and I have 8,285 minutes meditate, of meditation. And so things like that, if you do your research and find out how truly beneficial meditation is, it is just amazing how great it is for you, if, especially if you do it consistently. If you do it on a normal, regular basis, it can be just amazing. So I, I really urge you, I urge your audience, I urge everybody to meditate. It, it doesn't have to 
you're not going to be a Buddhist monk the first time you do it. You're not going to meditate for an hour sitting, smelling, you know, hot burning aromas and coals and things like that. But just, you know, sit outside. Go out for work on your lunch break or something. Just go sit outside and on a bench or anywhere. There can be noise around you, whatever. Just put in your headphones and listen to Simple Habit and meditate just for five minutes. Maybe one minute. It doesn't matter. There are plenty of meditations on YouTube and things like that to do. But meditation, I think, has been an enormous part of me rebuilding my brain. Because the brain and brain chemistry and neurology and things like that are such an amazing science that even today we have progressed so, so much more than we once had in our knowledge of the brain and our knowledge of psychology and neurology. But still, we know so, so little compared to what we could. And so things like that today, it seems, are huge parts, are huge points that I think are vitally important for people to do. And so otherwise, I I think that's it. Everybody who's listening, please, by all means, I beg of you to shoot me a message, to friend me on Facebook, follow me on Instagram, follow me wherever. Um, I I should follow you back. I don't know. I'm I'm an awesome person sometimes, I'll admit. (laughs) But um, please, please send me a message, and I'll be more than happy to help you with whatever you're trying to do, with whatever you're struggling with. I have heard it all. I've been through it all. I'm confident I can help you. So just please, for your whole audience, just please reach out to me. I would love to talk to you. I would love to help you. And that, that's it. My, that's my whole spiel. Um, and then so a lot of people are going to be listening to this in podcast form, so they won't be have access to the caption we're going to put with your handle. Um, why don't you give people the handle that you're at on Instagram and Facebook? Yeah, my, my uh, Facebook is Davis, D-A-V-I-S, Sret, S-A-R-R-E-T-T. Uh, I think my profile picture is a picture of me and my sister. Um, then my name on Instagram is Davis underscore not underscore David. So D-A-V-I-S underscore not N-A-O-T underscore David, D-A-V-I-D. And so that's where everybody can reach me. That's where you can find me. Wonderful. Well, again, Davis, thank you so much for taking time to be with me, sharing your story, sharing you the struggle, and just giving us a glimpse in a little bit of how this this difficult situation of rebuilding your life really became more of a springboard for you to be able to find your passion and also find that you had a depth of strength in order to overcome the the the, the hand that you were dealt. To use your analogy of uh, playing poker. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's absolutely my pleasure. I, I thanks for giving me this opportunity. It's, it's all about the all right. the people you help. Always. Thanks again, and have yourself a wonderful day, everybody. Sherm's out. Yep.